Guys are jerks. Just a bit outside. Hello. Welcome in, everyone. Just a bit outside. Harry Doyle, Fantasy Baseball Week 18 edition. Aiken's Army and Wichita White Wolves continue their division dominations. We have eliminations from playoffs here in Week 18. And bringing into this episode, Justin's on, I don't know if he's on vacation, kid duty, whatever he is doing. He's not available. So this is the top of the league episode. I'm Travis Aikens and joining me, the owner of the Wichita White Wolves, the one, the only, Chris Dockhill. Chris, how are you tonight? I'm fantastic, Travis. How are you? I'm great. I'm talking baseball in my kitchen on a Sunday night. No better way to do it. And a 10-team fantasy league podcast. So uh, things are doing very well, especially when you look at our teams, Aiken's Army and Wichita White Wolves, uh, sitting there one and two in the league. It's been a good stretch, a nice uh, separation month and kind of a separation Sunday today. We'll try to keep the excitement about our teams to a minimum. Let's get to tonight's first pitch. And his first pitch was not great. Just a bit outside. What can you say? Well, Travis, I was... uh, Trying to keep an eye on what was going on in Major League Baseball over the weekend. We kind of had a busy busy weekend doing a lot of family stuff, but I couldn't help but notice some highlights that came across my uh, my notifications from MLB, and I was uh, watching some Twitter highlights as well. But young Vince Velasquez, a uh, starting pitcher, as most know, for the Philadelphia Phillies, was playing some left field in the 14th inning, and... Uh, the uh, White Sox, uh, I believe it was Jose Abreu, who hits the ball out to him and left field, scoops it up just like he's been doing it all his life and throws a one-hopper, nails a runner at the plate, also makes a diving catch in left field and almost throws another runner out at the plate. And it got me thinking, why are they not playing this guy in left field? He looks like a, he looks like a gold glover. I think Shohei Otani has nothing on Vince Velasquez right now in his two-way abilities pretty damn impressive yeah that was impressive uh seeing well you know i guess we were more accustomed from time to time seeing the position player come in and pitch but to see the opposite happen and see a pitcher like velasquez go out to left field and not just man it but to own it and what an incredible throw if you haven't seen it you need to see it and what an incredible dive from a pitcher considering playing left field. That was pretty uh, interesting to see. Well, you mentioned on the flip side of it when you've got position players coming in to pitch late in games. I'm not sure there's anything worse in fantasy baseball than when your opponent is uh, loaded with guys on a team that are facing a position player late in the game, and they're just you know giving up runs like a turnstile at an airport. You know they're just <laughs> coming through one after another, and you've got just you're just cringing watching as these runs just pile up and thinking this team doesn't even care. They're just trying to yeah. get out of the game, 
and uh, some, you know, outfielder is just throwing meatballs and uh, yeah, your opponent is just feasting off of it. So 14th inning of that game that we were referencing, Phillies, White Sox, uh, the left fielder is a pitcher. Do you know who was pitching in that 14th thing? I just looked this up. Um, I see that they used, I'm looking at the box score, yeah. eight pitchers in that game. No, but the, um, but the 14th inning is not a pitcher. It is Roman Quinn outfielder for the Phillies. He, the outfielder's pitching and the pitcher's playing left field for the Phillies in the 14th inning. I think the Phillies are maybe trying to preserve innings on Vince Velasquez's arm. I have no idea how that even happens. I see that Nick Pavetta got some time in there, and they've got, yeah, Zach Eflin. I mean, they use four different starters. I, I, I can't make sense of it. No, that makes zero sense. Oh, well, that's a fun little catch right there. Good one. Uh, Vince Velasquez, you are our MVP of Week 18. Big story of week 18. The playoff picture is coming clearer by the week. Four weeks remain in the 2019 campaign. And yes, four weeks remain. But this means that we find ourselves in a position where teams are not making the playoffs. And so, yes, tonight... On Just a Bit Outside, we honor the fallen. We honor the teams that will not make the 2019 playoffs. Tonight, we salute you, six shooters. We salute you for a 4-14 and 14 record thus far, a seven-game losing streak to end, mathematically end your season. And we salute you, Los Tigres, for a 5-13 and 13 record, a three-game losing streak that mathematically ends your 2019 campaign. Congratulations, gentlemen. I will say that it was definitely two different routes to get to this point for the Six Shooters and the Los Tigris because we've been talking about it and it's been fairly well documented that Los Tigris did not get there by not scoring a lot of points. They've had an excellent... Uh, productive uh, scoring season, but the schedule has been nothing short of brutal. And I think as of last time I checked, uh, the com- uh, combined uh, competition for Los Tigres would actually have been the best team in the league this year and currently is at 5,453 points. Nobody else has scored as many points as whoever Justin is facing every week, which is just insane. And uh, six shooters, uh, it's really been more of a matter of, you know, odds and ends, bad luck, um, mixed in with a little bit of odd roster management in terms of starting players that, you know, unfortunately having bench players blowing up and starting players not performing and maybe some tough draws as well. So, yeah, two different ways to get to the same outcome. Yeah, absolutely two different ways, as you mentioned. And Sunday Night Baseball still in progress, so Fantrax hasn't updated completions through Week 18. But uh, Los Tigres is most certainly going to be in that four or five spot when it comes to fantasy point totals of 2019. 
Six shooters, clearly, hands down, no question, will remain at the bottom in 10. And so um, I think that is a fascinating stat about Los Tigres. And just, I guess, just a uh, it's a really good example of how baseball go, right? So it, we're at a head-to-head league, uh, and baseball tends to not necessarily always be the best team wins. It's the team that played better that game that wins and for Los Tigres they just went up against buzzsaw after buzzsaw on a weekly basis you know they 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 got the best out of their opponents each week and it's just an unfortunate especially if you're Justin you see this as an unfortunate turn of events but mathematically eliminated here in 2019 so Chris let's flip the script just a little bit now we we have two teams that ha- that cannot make the playoffs, and let's remind everyone of our updated playoff roster seating. Rick Vaughn, Pedro Serrano, regular season division winners will get that first week by in the playoffs, and then the seating after that, three, four, five, and six, come off best records. And as it will stand... Three, four, five, and six will be Ebony and Ivory, Royal Ruckus, Van Buren Boys, and Beards of Glory. Any surprises there for you, Chris, as we talk about the way the playoff picture is starting to come in the focus? Well, it's really interesting that the year, the first year that we've been utilizing the new playoff system and not just picking the top three from each division there's a very reasonable chance that we end up picking three wildcard teams out of the same division. And so uh, for those that complained or thought that this could never happen or that it was statistically unlikely, we may see it come into play with Van Buren boys, Royal Ruckus and Beards of Glory all potentially making the playoffs. Now, a lot of that's going to depend on the schedule and you know them playing each other and potentially beating each other up. But if Bolding Beavers goes on a bad skid here in the last four weeks, it's a very real possibility we have four teams out of your division. Yeah, and, and I think that plays into to the two teams that have just been mathematically eliminated, right? The fact that both of those teams, Six Shooters and Los Tigres, come out of the same division, and it's even a little more than that. It's more than just being out of the same division. It comes to just how sub-500 both of those records are coming out of the same division. That kind of sets up this, this scenario that we thought is probably out there and seems to be more of a reality with four weeks to go. Well, and I think that, you know, some of the trades that have been going on over the last few weeks, I think kind of speak to that because, you know, Justin read the tea leaves, I think earlier than some of the other teams and said, Hey, you know, this is not going well. I've got a lot of teams that I have to catch. And even if I do, am I going to be where I want to be in the playoffs? So he's been making moves for a while to get ready for next season. And that's certainly hurt his you know, production this year. Yep. Um, and so, you know, I think that there's something to be said about that, you know, deciding where you are, figuring out, you know, what, what your window is. And, and I think if you look back at Justin's season, even going back to the offseason, you know, you're talking about Mookie Betts and guys like that coming off of his roster. I think he was looking at the free agent pool for next year. I think he was looking at freeing up cash for next year. And, you know, quite frankly, 
considering that he was already sort of playing for next year, you know, it maybe isn't a bad year to take that worst strength of schedule hit and maybe it balances out next year. It'd be kind of frustrating if, say, for example, that had happened to you because you've made no, you know, uh, bones about it. You've loaded up for this season. So if you had run into that strength of schedule, that would have been a tough pill to swallow. You loaded up for a season and then you got hit with the toughest strength of schedule. That could have been, you know, a big, a big uh, disaster. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think there is clearly clear strategy from Justin uh, when it comes to Los Tigres, who has seen this. And, you know, I talked to Justin through text earlier today and he said, yeah, this season's been over for uh, for a while now. So even though mathematically he was a part of those things, he knew it. He kind of saw the, the writing on the wall and went with it and took advantage of the situation, not for 2019, but the situation for a future Los Tigres team. Now, let's shift. Now, we talked about as if the playoffs were to start today, those six teams. But there are two teams looking in from the outside, not mathematically eliminated, but two teams that are not currently in that in one of those uh, six-seed spots. But we have uh, Bolding Beavers, after 18 weeks, will sit even at 500 at 9 and 9 in 2019. And sitting in eighth spot will be censored by the commish coming off of a win at 7 and 11 in 2019. Now, I'm not, I'm not asking this question because I think it's necessarily easy. I think there is some, uh, there's some discussion here. But out of those two teams, Chris, which one of them has the better shot or which team of the two do you believe has the better shot to if they were, are going to make a push to get that six seed can get into the playoffs. Well, I think there's one big advantage that Bolding Beavers has as I look at his schedule coming down the stretch. Land has two games against teams that do not look like they're going to be in the playoffs or will be out of the playoffs. So he does get to play those Tigris who again has made some moves to get ready for next year and is not really at full capacity right now for winning this year. And he's also got a game against the six shooter. So I think if he holds serve on the two games that he, you know, should win against non-playoff teams, if, you know, you're going to make the playoffs, you have to beat the teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. But he does have two other games that are going to be challenging. He's got a game against Aiken's Army, and he also has a game against Ebony and Ivory. So I think the problem for Lane is he's going to have to win one of those two games against playoff teams. That puts him potentially at three and one, and that gets him right back in the mix, especially when you're looking at, you know, having multiple teams with the same record. The advantage for censored by the commish is that he has a winnable schedule in terms of he's got some, some uh, games against teams that are also in that fight. So he's got a chance to leapfrog some guys that he's, you know, right in the same mix with in the standings. I think uh, Bolding Beavers has a leg up. I don't think it's impossible for censored by, by the commission, but as you do the math, Blake probably needs to win out. I don't know if he can take another loss and still expect to leapfrog uh, all the guys that he needs to. Yeah, so let's break this down just a little bit. I want to come back to winnable schedule for censored by the commission, but if you break this down, four weeks to go, censored by the commission sits at 7 and 11 sub 500 on the season two games back from lands bolding beavers for the seventh seed which is on the outside of the playoffs therefore really to get to that sixth seed three games back now for censored by the commission 
to get into the playoffs, and we're talking six seed. Um, I don't know of another scenario. I've been looking at this. Uh, I don't know of another scenario that censored by the commission can get that six seed without winning the next four weeks. Winning out. And that doesn't censored by the commission doesn't control their own destiny if they win the next four weeks because they're going to need losses not only from Bolding Beavers, they're going to need losses from Van Buren Boys and Beards of Glory in particular to even get a shot at that six seed. And the best as I can figure going through this, Van Buren Boys, Bolding Beavers, and Beards of Glory, two of those three teams are going to have to lose half at least of the next four weeks for that to come to fruition. So we're... (laughs) We're, we're talking mathematically still into it, but man, I don't know how to calculate the percentage of it, but it seems very, very unlikely. And going back to, and I'll let you jump in here in a second, Chris, but going back to schedule over the next four weeks, the advantage that Censored by the Commission has is that he's playing divisional opponents three of the next four weeks. Royal Ruckus, Beards of Glory, then it's six shooters, finishes the season against Aiken's Army. Now, three of those four teams are above 500, and they're looking into the playoffs as we speak here in the Week 18 episode. That is, a, I think, a very tough schedule, even against divisional opponents. Yeah, I mean, I think Blake's going to have to catch fire. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things where if you're going to make the playoffs, there's got to be a stretch where you string together some wins. You know, I think... Most of the teams that make it in are going to be above 500. And I think if you start from a place of seven and 11, you know, to say you got to win four in a row and get back up to 500, I don't think that's too much to ask for. As we've been talking about, you know, last year was that weird scenario where you have a sub 500 team making it in. I've already made my feelings on that subject known, but, (laughs) you know, it's hard to say if you can't win half your games that you should have a chance to win the championship. And so, um, you know, Blake's got to get hot and then see what happens, you know, do some scoreboard watching and root for the teams that, uh, you know, have already locked up spots to win, uh, win the games that he can and, uh, see what happens. Yep. Incredibly exciting time of year. We're down to the home stretch of 2019. And if anyone's curious, uh, I believe mathematically Aiken's army has sealed a playoff spot. Just throwing that out there for everyone to hear. Congratulations, sir. Week 18. Chris, let's run down these games and talk about the highlights, the lowlights, whatever we want to talk about. But let's talk about these games as Sunday Night Baseball continues to wrap itself up. I think we have a pretty good idea of the Week 18 Harry Doyle Fantasy Baseball games. Let's begin. Let's begin with your game, Chris, shall we? Wichita White Wolves taking on divisional opponent Bolding Beavers and in a victory for your White Wolves, 290 to 258. Uh, Chris, I'm going to ask you to kind of evaluate the Bolding Beaver side of things. When you go up against a team like this, and uh, maybe not the showing obviously Land wants, but you know, what went right and you know, where did it ultimately fall short for the Beavers in week 18? I think uh, I think Lan had a good week. Um, I got kind of lucky playing against Lan in a week when Garrett Cole only had one start and Max Scherzer was hurt. Um, I think in another week, if you've got both of those guys making two starts each, you know, there's a huge 
uh, advantage for Land in that kind of scenario. I think anybody who would be playing him in the playoffs would be hoping that wouldn't happen. Um, he's had just phenomenal pitching lately. Shane Bieber was great this week. Lucas Giolito was great this week. I think what really let Land down was his bullpen. Uh, he's got uh, Luke Jackson, who scored negative points at minus two. Ian Kennedy had a very quiet week, 1.5, and Andrew Miller uh, scored three and a half. So he ends up getting you know, uh, three points out of three guys. And if you flip across the other side, I got saves from all three of my closers and, you know, scored uh, about a 30 point advantage there. So that obviously factors in when you've got a 33 point differential. I think that was one of the big differences. And, you know, quite frankly, Land's team is as scary on paper as anybody's when you've got Yelich, when you've got Francisco Lindor, you know, um, obviously with his pitching staff. So, I uh, I was happy that you know nobody went just absolutely bonkers. I think last time I played against Christian Yelich, he had like eight home runs against me, and I feel like I've played him about every other week because Zach had him a couple times, and then traded him to Land, and then Land has him every time I play him. So, um, yeah, we were we were uh, happy to get out of this. Yeah, one. really, the reason, and I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but the reason Bolding Beavers lost this game is Christian Yelich with only. 11 points i mean really this is your national league mvp right here i mean you got to expect more from that guy i think i would say yes i think that you know i don't i don't know if he was the killer as much as you know bum bum gardner could have been much bigger you know he needed him this weekend and, and he came up with a half a point um you know you get 20 points out of a start like that if he really comes to play and then you start looking at you know, you get a little bit out of your bullpen and you're right there. I mean, I don't think he had a bad week, scored 150 offensively and 110 pitching, but just nobody quite pushed him over the edge. And and I had a few guys kind of step up over the weekend that propelled us uh, to yeah. win. So uh, and I was kidding because Christian Yelich is nothing short of phenomenal watching baseball. Oh, he he. He scares the ever-living heck out of you when you're playing against him. I can't There's wait no for him to be a free agent. Van Buren boys taking on Royal Ruckus in Week 18. And this was a game that Justin and I both kind of circled on the schedule as we talked about in last week's episode. This was a game we wanted to see um, inside the Rick Vaughn division. Royal Ruckus, Van Buren boys both positioning themselves for playoff pushes and you know uh, seeding as we approach the playoffs. And this one, Royal Ruckus, who has picked up some steam of late this summer, uh, takes on the Van Buren boys in victory, 282 to 208. Chris, when you look at this, both teams with six starts, both teams with with uh, decent uh, offensive output, Royal Ruckus with a little more. But, you know, just kind of looking at the game as a whole, uh, what brought Royal Ruckus uh, to uh, a 282 to 208 victory? Well, the one thing it's hard not to notice is that Van Buren boys, who I think was in first place not too long ago, and now with three losses in a row, I think has gone from 10 and 5 to 10 and 8. So it's been kind of tough sledding lately for the Van Buren boys. They've had some bad luck with injuries. I think they lost Moncada this week and got a zero, had Aaron Hicks out and got a zero there. So those are definitely bad ways to start. Had a couple pitching performances that were on the forgettable side. Didn't really get a whole lot out of the bullpen. But if you look at Royal Ruckus, you know, um, stars being stars, you know, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Houston had a big week in general. You know, Trout putting up a solid total. Uh, I think 
Luke's probably still not crazy about his pitching staff, you know, not, not breaking a hundred. Um, he can't feel too good about that, but his offense definitely carried him this week. It was a very productive 184 points and 11 home runs and, you know, really, uh, led by the stars, which is what he wants to yeah, see. Uh, four game winning streak for Will Ruckus Van Buren boys on that skid right now. These two teams cross pass here in week 18 and, um, that, and you know, I guess kind of crossing over a little bit back to our big story topic of playoff picture, that middle section, those 10 and 8 teams, you know, seats three through six, really, that's an incredible bunching of of really good teams that include Royal Ruggis and include Van Buren boys, include Ebony and Ivory and Beards of Glory currently. But but that that dynamic over the next four weeks, watching those teams kind of fighting it out and and jockeying for that position and and for that seating is going to be a fun aspect. And this is a game I think that previews that. Yeah, and we've talked about how league parity has been alive and well this year. We've talked about how, you know, when you have teams uh that have been kind of underperforming the last couple of seasons step up into that playoff mix, which is what Van Buren boys has done. Uh, when you have beards of glory, you know, maintaining what they've done the last couple of seasons, looking like a playoff team, when you have Royal Ruckus who finished second last year, maintaining a lot of what they've been doing, you know, you've really got, uh, I think every bit of seven teams, you know, potentially even an eighth team, uh, that are you know in the hunt and look like they could make some noise in the playoffs. Beards of Glory and Ebony and Ivory in Week 18. Beards of Glory needed a W in the worst way. Four-game losing streak, and Beards of Glory went out to stop that losing streak with a couple of big trades last week for Escobar and Marte. Ebony and Ivory on a win streak up against Beards of Glory, the new-look Beards of Glory. And Colby's team comes out victorious, 295 over Zach's Ebony and Ivory, 267. Now, this was a game, Chris, that had really good offense from both sides. But here, the difference was Beards of Glory's pitching by a little bit. Yeah, I think the acquisitions that uh, Colby's made recently have, have paid pretty early dividends. If you look at Escobar's 20 points, if you look at Cattell Marte's 32 and a half, if you look at um, Sonny Gray, who I believe is a new addition, 23, if you look at Lance Lynn at 22, um, they're actually, I think he just traded away Sonny Gray. So, traded correct, away. Yeah, correction on that. Um, but Lance Lynn, 22 points, I think was a new addition. Uh, so, and uh, Taylor Rogers, I think, was the other one I was looking at. So, you know, when you're making moves, bringing in guys that are scoring 20 points or more, that's what you really need to get on pace for that 300. I think it ends up being about 17 points. If you can get 17 points per guy, you're going to end up around 300, which we typically think of as a, you know, a high percentage winning total. So, um, you know, Beards of Glory is right there, faltered a little bit, made a bunch of moves, and uh, looks like they're right back in the hunt. Yeah, and so this is another game that just kind of gives us this, I guess, slight preview of the next four weeks as these teams fight each other for these playoff spots. Because Ebony and Ivory, who was really riding high in July with a three-game winning streak going into this game, goes up against a team that's on a four-game losing streak and finds himself now with a with a better Beards of Glory team wanting to be in the position of Ebony and Ivory and uh, couldn't get it done here in week 18, which is not necessarily you know a prelude to the rest of the season, but 
just how fun the parody that you talked about, the competition within this league of how these these games seem to be kind of playing out and really how meaningful they are here in week 18. Well, this game had to be really frustrating for Zach. And I know that, you know, he's excited about his team. He's got some, you know, pieces he can win the whole thing with. Um, and then you look at some of the great performances he got. He's been waiting and waiting and waiting for Thor to pitch like Thor. And he gets 41 points at a Syndergaard. And then all of a sudden Chris Sale comes in, I think it was yesterday, and just implodes mm-hmm. minus three and two-thirds. And I just I, – I don't know what – you know, Zach can be feeling other than just, you know, pure frustration. Chris Sale for a month looked like the Chris Sale of old after, you know, coming out of the gate slow and he had to be thinking, okay, the guy's back on track. And when he really needs him at a big game, he gets uh, a dud. So uh, frustrating for Zach. His team's good. He knows his team is good. I think that uh, he's still scary uh, in a playoff scenario, but he needs to get a couple quality wins here down the stretch. Aiken's Army and the Six Shooters faced off here in Week 18. And for Aiken's Army and the Six Shooters, it was a lot of offense and very little pitching. And many respects, I'll let you comment, Chris. Aiken's Army is just happy to get the W and get away from this and move on to Week 19 after that pitching performance. Yeah, it looked a little dicey. I was kind of following this one, keeping an eye on you know whether Aiken's Army was going to slip up here. Um, you know, Brady's team, as we've talked about, it's not lacking of talent, but, um, you know, he needs it to kind of all really come together in a perfect way. His, you know, pitching staff is a little piece together right now with some, some, uh, spare parts, but, um, you know, you, you've got a couple of things going for you. If you're Aiken's army, you've got enough star power where, you know, one guy can, have an off week and then, you know, Nelson Cruz to the rescue uh, in only 12 at bats, he puts up 36 points. I mean, three points per at bat is pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, and then obviously uh, the pitching wasn't great for, for Aiken's army, but the bullpen kind of stepped in, you know, Roldis Chapman had a big week, three saves, 22 points that kind of helped pick up Steven Strasburg who had an off week. And then, you know, just the, the usual, you know, Trevor story, big week, um, Obviously, we talked about Cruz. J.D. Martinez looks like he's maybe starting to come back to life. Travis Darno was a nice pickup at catcher. And uh, Aiken's Army, led by the offense, almost 200 points. Uh, that's going to win most weeks. Seven-game winning streak there for my Army. The six shooters find themselves on a seven-game losing streak. Two teams going completely different opposite directions, which brings me to this question before we get to the final game of Week 18. If you're six shooters, if you're a team that is out of the playoff picture, you have a week left in the trade deadline. And I'm not talking about six shooters specifically necessarily, Chris, but just, I guess, big picture fantasy baseball philosophy. If you're in this position, what what's your thoughts there? How do you go about this final week before the trade deadline? Well, I think most people are doing what, uh, you know, the teams that have been sellers thus far uh, have, have done and have uh, demonstrated. I think you're looking at, okay, what does the roster look like? Who's coming back? You know, what pieces do I have that I've got some control over? 
are there guys that you know are really not going to be valuable to me uh, this year that I can move? Some guys that have value, some guys that can help somebody, um, you know. And then I think they're looking at their uh, farm systems, they're looking at their minor leaguers, looking for excuse me ways that they can improve uh, for those you know future studs. And uh, you know, I think that uh, a team like uh, uh, Brady, he's signed a lot of guys to contracts and taken some gambles on some guys. And, and some of those have paid off decently well. Um, I don't think he's, you know, so far out of it for, you know, the future that uh, he couldn't do a quick rebuild and be right back in it next year. I mean, he's had guys like Stanton out all year, you know, who knows if, you know, Rizzo continues to perform the way he has, if he can kind of figure out a way to get, Guys like Donaldson and Goldschmidt consistently in the lineup. Anthony Rendon has been, you know, just otherworldly. And, you know, he's got some holes in the pitching staff. But I think Brady's one more season away specifically with his team. You know, if he can get some good free agent signings in the offseason, I think he could be right back in it. We all thought he was going to be a lot better than this this year. So it's been kind of a uh, a little bit of a worst-case scenario. And finally, censored by the commission, 254 over Justin's Los Tigres, two. 18 Chris Facebook game of the week what do you see with this one well I think that uh, you have two teams that uh, I think got what they were uh, probably expecting out of their teams this week you know Blake's been trying to walk that fine line between you know planning for next year but still trying to stay relevant this year and you know he got some good performances enough uh, to get a win over you know a Los Tigres team that is is depleted because of some of the deals that they've made. And, um, you know, I think that Blake showed good balance on his team this week. 136 uh, offensive points isn't anything to get too excited about, but 118 almost from the pitching side, uh, that's going to certainly help. And, you know, quite frankly, I think uh, he's showing some signs, especially if the pitching staff stays hot and he can get some – you know, production out of the, uh, the Ozzy Albee, Xander Bogart's core of his team, uh, you know, maybe he's got a chance for to go on a run. There it is, Week 18, 2019, Harry Dole Fantasy Baseball. We are almost there. Playoffs are around the corner. And so Hiroshi Kamikaze Tanaka, recently of the Tokyo Giants, knocks himself cold for the second time this week. Maybe in Japan that's actually better than catching the ball. Personally, I think he's just trying to get out of the lineup. All right, let's get you ready for week 19. Let's preview these matchups. Four weeks to go. The down, the uh, home stretch is here. Aiken's Army will take on Bolding Beavers and what is the family bowl. This is the game for pride within the family. Cousin versus cousin right here. Six shooters and beards of glory. We'll face off in week 19. Ebony and Ivory and the Van Buren boys. Los Tigres taking on your Wichita White Wolves. And finally, Royal Ruckus will take on Blake's censored by the commish. Chris, look at these games. Tell me what is the big game of the week that we all need to pay attention to. Well, I'll tell you, it's really hard to narrow it down to one. I think when you've got, you know, as we talked about, Blake sort of facing a win or go home type of scenario with Royal Ruckus, I think that's going to be uh, an important one. But I'd probably say the one that stands out to me the most is Ebony and Ivory and Van Buren boys. I think you've got two teams that at different times, even in the last, you know, four to six weeks have 
you know, uh, you know, tasted the top of the standings. I think they've both seen flashes of what their teams can be. I think both teams, when they're good, can be really good. Um, but both of them are going to need a win right here. They're both right in that mix with those uh, teams that are all kind of bunched together in the standings. And uh, I think this is going to be a big uh, uh, telltale game for, you know, who's going to have the upper hand and uh, making sure that they stay in that top six. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and you know, bringing up the bunching of, of those teams and everything right there from the three to six seed, really we have four games of the week uh, that include these teams, right? Bolding Beavers, Beards of Glory, the Ebony and Ivory Van Buren, Boy, uh, Van Buren Boys game that you just talked about and that Royal Ruckus censored by the Kamish game because week 19 is so incredibly important not because it means that your team's necessarily going to be out of the playoffs, so it could for censored by the commish. It does mean position and standings heading into those final three weeks of the season. So obviously all the games matter at this point of the season, but there is a lot on the line for those three through six seeds as we head into week 19. Yeah, there's really not a lot of room for error, you know, and I think that's the fun part about this time of the year. I think that, um, you know, teams have been battling it out for several months, and I think it really comes down to this kind of crunch time last month. That's kind of what uh, August fantasy baseball is all about, and then we'll see who gets to play in September. I will say from an individual team standpoint, I'd, I'm just curious more than anything else. I'd like to see how this new look reshaped Beards of Glory team, if Week 18 is an indication of, of this Beards of Glory team heading into this home stretch and is can they continue that and this is a really good week if you're Colby's Beards of Glory to go up against the six shooters and kind of kind of solidify yourself if you will as a team that's here to be in the playoffs in 2019. Yeah I think it's a must win for Colby I think that you know the the schedule sets up favorably for this week to you know continue some uh, you know, positive uh, streakiness here. And uh, I think if he can get it done, he's putting himself in a good position uh, like he was just a couple of weeks ago before the losing streak to uh, kind of be in that driver's seat again. And of course, you know, I, I, honestly, I don't know if Lan listens to just a bit outside anymore, but Lan, you need to know, I spoke to our grandfather and he told me whoever wins this game between us in week 19, he loves more. So there's a lot on the line for the Aikens Army Bolding Beaver matchup here in, in week 19. I think that'll actually show up in the will as well. So there may be some the inheritance, additional, some additional is, motivation. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, it's on the line. This is a big one for a regular season week 19 game. Playing All for right the, for the pocket watch. Playing <laughs> for the pocket watch. Chris, uh, one final topic of conversation, at least for me, as we. You know, and, I, and I, it fits into the Week 19 conversation, and not necessarily about specific matchups, but next Sunday is the trade deadline for Harry Doyle Fantasy Baseball. All trades for the season must be completed before midnight, a week from tonight of, of our recording. So next Sunday, August 11th, we've had a lot of trades, and, and this season and last in particular have kind of been a uh, um, the new normal of Harry Dole fantasy baseball trades teams are very active on the trade market, but just from 
just from a league standpoint, kind of big picture view, and we can funnel this down into some uh, more specific trade chatter, but from a big picture view, Chris, do you expect or do you think there will be uh, some more trades before the deadline next Sunday? I expect some trades. I don't know if I expect it to be quite as um, – I guess we had a few days that felt kind of fast and furious on trades. And, and, you know, you and I talked about this a little bit. I think our format of having six out of our 10 teams get in the playoffs, especially the way the standings have bunched up when we really have, you know, eight teams that are, you know, still fighting, even with four weeks left. I think it doesn't separate out the way that it would let's say for example if you had four teams getting into the playoffs I think you'd have more teams that were clearly representing themselves as sellers at this point clearly looking to move guys I think we have those few teams that are bunched there that really aren't going to be all that excited about moving pieces when they're really still trying to uh, secure one of those spots and I think if you look at Los Tigris, I think Justin's made a lot of moves. I think he's probably getting a little shorter on uh, tradable assets. And I think you have Brady, who still has a lot of guys under contract and is still kind of looking toward keeping guys around for next year. So I would say compared to what we've been seeing recently, my expectation would be that it slows down actually a little bit. I tend to agree with that. Um, you know, I, I don't expect um, any – blockbuster like let's i don't expect a zach granke deadline deal type trade you know in harry Doyle fantasy baseball kind of the 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 monster big name league shifting trade that happened in major league baseball just this past week um i'm not going to be shocked if there's a small trade or two uh the kind of you know and I think colby's beards of glory is a really good example of this over the last couple of weeks those aren't those aren't um league shifting monumental trades but those are really good trades from a beards of glory standpoint when it comes to 2019's playoff push um because those are big trades to colby that have players that can help him right now you know if we see one or two of those that may be the ceiling of the heightened you know player talent that we see move before next sunday yeah, I think that's true. And I think that if you look at the teams that I would expect to be making moves right now, it would actually be maybe even more trades within the teams that are playoff contenders as opposed to the contenders trading yeah. with the teams that are out. Because I think that there's still those chances for teams that are contenders to look at each other's rosters and say, hey, I have some depth in this area. You have some depth in that area. Yep. I'm weak here. You're weak there. Maybe we can help make each other better. And, you know, I think in a best case scenario, that's what you're looking at in any trade. You're looking at two teams that say, hey, listen, we can both get better. Let's find a deal that's a win-win. You know, it's not always about I'm going to, you know, pull one over on you or, you know, uh, most of us are dealing with the same pool of information. You know, we all kind of know uh, how guys have been performing. We can look at the numbers, uh, you know, and I think a lot of it is just uh, finding how um, roster construction and how roster depths uh, line up. And uh, I think teams will figure out ways to make that work. So uh, on to that point too, what kind of your philosophy and theory, because, you know, with our new playoff seating structure outside of the top two seeds that don't have much to do with divisions, it's all based on seasonal record and talking about teams trading, you know, playoff teams trading with other playoff teams. 
Is there a lot of, or should there be a lot of thought into, I don't want to help them because, and I agree with your point, you know, if I have depth in relief pitching and I can get flip a relief pitcher for, you know, uh, infield depth or whatever it is, you know, should I be concerned about if that team that has that depth that I need is another playoff team? Oh, I think it factors in. I mean, I don't think you can ignore that aspect of who you're trading with. And I've had that happen before where I've traded with somebody and I thought, well, that was awfully stupid. You know, I just made my you know competition better. Um, and, you know, maybe uh, the best way to evaluate a trade is kind of letting the season play out. And you can look back and say, you know, did it end up going the way that I thought it would, et cetera. Um, I think that with our format, with, you know, kind of more of a dynasty general manager format that we have, um, there's so many different ways that trades can be structured. I think it makes it really interesting. You could kind of have a, you know, help me now versus a help me later trade. You can have kind of more of a positional swap. You can have these prospect for active, you know, major leaguer deals. And I think it can be really hard sometimes to evaluate when you look at, you know, maybe a guy who isn't really, um, in the grand scheme of things, all that valuable, but right now he's pitching really well, or he's hitting the cover off the ball and he's, you know, cheap to acquire versus another guy who we know is going to be, you know, a future superstar, but maybe isn't producing now. And so I think there's always that aspect of, you know, how much of now do I want to part with or how much of now do I really need to focus on and how much am I willing to trade, you know, future chips? And uh, so, yeah, I think it makes our, our trading possibilities um, so um, just there's just massive different ways that you could, you know, structure deals, which is fun. And, 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 and tagging along with that idea, going into as well, the owner's um, view you know, are they ready for the rebuild? Are they, you know, and they and the owner's evaluation, are they close to the window? Or are they, is their window closing? You know, all that plays into it because the, you know, the, the ongoing rise of value and prospects, which I don't know about you, but I, especially over the last two or three seasons, Prospect value has skyrocketed in Harry Dole fantasy baseball, and I don't see that necessarily slowing down. And so that evaluation, and again, those resources that you pull out of and owners pull out of, those evaluations also, you know, it's not dollar for dollar necessarily when it comes to prospects. So that creates unique conversations. It creates it creates unique dynamic that you really don't get in year to year type leagues that that this league provides some wonderful but also challenging conversations when it comes to trades and um you know and maybe we'll be proven wrong but i cannot think of a trade deadline blockbuster that has ever happened in this league it those kinds of big trades usually happen in the off season early in the season those kinds of places where that i guess the 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 room uh, the space is allowed for long conversation to make those deals finalized. Well, and I think what, if you look at what's happening in major league baseball, I think what's happening in fantasy baseball is going to mirror that. So we have more prospects coming up ready to not only play, but ready to be stars. We have guys in their early twenties that are the best players on their teams. They are some of the best players in the league. And so I think that 
to say, well, this guy's just a prospect as in he's a project or I'm not sure what he's going to project out to. It's different nowadays. You know, you look at Ronald Acuna a year ago and you say, well, it was pretty clear to most people that were paying attention that this guy isn't just going to come up and just make the roster. He's going to come up and he's going to star. And all of a sudden, you know, fast forward a year or two and the guy is, you know, doing exactly what you would hope if you're Zach that the guy does. And you see guys like Christian Yelich, you know, maybe you have to be patient a couple of years, but a lot of these hitters, you don't have to wait five years. You're going to get their primes, maybe even in that like 22 to 26 window where we used to kind of think maybe it was more, you know, 25 to 29. And so my philosophy, and it's been clear and we've talked about it, you know, we talked about Bellinger. I sat on him for an entire year after trading for him and I made the playoffs that first year, but I just kept telling myself, I don't think one guy is going to be the difference for me. And yeah, you would kick yourself if you lost the, a playoff game because of not having that one guy. But my feeling was I'm going to really appreciate that extra year on the back end when I think this guy could be an MVP And so far it's played out that way. And sometimes you feel smart when that stuff happens. And sometimes you feel like, you know, you wasted an opportunity. So there's definitely uh, different ways you can play it. I think it makes it fun. Um, I find it really interesting when I see some of these young guys get called up, maybe when they're 19 or 20 years old to our major league rosters. And you think that guy's going to hit free agency, maybe still when he's in his prime. And uh, you kind of end up in that Mike Trout scenario where it's like, can I really justify paying this guy maybe $30 because he's so good? I would much feel much better if I had one more year, you know, that I could have tacked on uh, at the end of it. So uh, a lot of tough decisions to be made. Week 19, four weeks to go. The long marathon of 2019 is coming closer to an end, and the fun time playoffs are right around the corner. By the way, Sunday Night Baseball has concluded. Fantrax is updated. Three, four, five, and six in the total rankings. All of those teams are 10 and 8. Ebony and Ivory, Royal Ruckus, Beards of Glory, and Van Buren Boys. Wow, it's going to be fun going to be a fun four weeks for chris doc hill i'm travis akins and you've been listening to the world renowned world respected podcast just a bit outside so long everybody